Hello and welcome to Level Up and Friends with those of us from the video game and comic book store, Level Up Entertainment. Get together with some friends every week and talk about some uh, topics that we're passionate about. This year we're going to be talking about uh, black issues and back issues, as I call it. Um, I have some African-American uh, comic book fans and some comic book creators with us to talk about their experiences uh, with representation and whatnot in the com and comic books. Um, as usual, I'm your host, Scott, and joining me from the store this uh, week is Wes. Hello. Um, and then for my creators, we've got Kendall. Hello there. And then I've got Ari. Hola, como están? ¿Cuántos tu cumpleaños? Si. Uh, so let's get a little, little more in-depth introductions. Uh, Ari, um, how long have you been, uh, you know, you're, you're an artist, how long have you been working uh, in that industry now? So um, I have been an artist uh, for as long as I can remember. I've got about 20 years of experience or so doing comics, caricatures, and illustration, animation. Yeah, and Kendall, uh, you know, you, you're... Other than me, you're the person who's been on the show the most, but oh, you know we man. haven't had a chance to really talk about your comics work yet. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like there's not a ton to say. Um, I feel like uh, me and Scott have been friends for a long time, maybe almost 18 years. Better part of and, 20 years, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I've always talked about making comics, um, but it's uh, a fairly new new thing for me. Uh, in the past five years, I've been uh, writing a comic that my wife draws uh, called Star Savior Bunny. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And Wes, you Star Savior Mommy? Bunny, like a bunny rabbit. And Wes, uh, how long have you been reading comic books? Like longer, I think, than at least Kendall and I have been around. Pretty much. I've been reading comics for about 45 years now. Yeah. Um, Started when I was seven. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I didn't even start when I was seven. Um, but yeah, so, you know, obviously, uh, all of your guys' lives, you've been African-American. Uh, I have not. So I'm going to let you guys try to lead the conversation a little bit more. And I, as a white person, I want to shut up and listen a little bit, but you know, um, I'll interject a little bit when uh, I have some questions. Um, you know, first, okay. I'll start, I'll start with you, Ari. Uh, what have been some of your like inspirations or influences over your career? Um, um, as far as comics go, um, some of my biggest influences in terms of creators whose work I enjoy have been, um, Rumiko Takahashi, um, uh, Claire Wendling, a lot of the work of French uh, comic creators, um, like the creators of the Sky Doll series. I really, really love that work and the way the characters are designed and drawn, all the action and fluidity. Um, I'm really enjoying uh, some of the newer French comics that are coming out that have like a very Disney-esque style, some of the Mickey Mouse stuff that they've recently put out and some of the um, um, Scrooge McDuck stuff that's been coming out. 
Um, so my work, I, I would say, has definitely got a heavy anime and Disney influence, uh, manga influence to it. I predominantly love working in black and white. Um, that is my favorite medium. I like color and I can do color, but um, I just find that black and white is extremely beautiful and simplistic at the same time. Um, some of my favorite inkers include Sean Gordon Murphy. He worked on like Punk Rock Jesus and he did like Tokyo, uh, what was it? Was it Tokyo Ghoul? No. Yeah, Tokyo Ghoul. Uh-huh. And um I also really am big, big influenced by like a lot of the 80s cartoons. So I really love like Tiny Toons and uh the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and a lot of that stuff from the Saturday morning cartoons from when I was a kid. So um those are all some of my major influences in my work. Um also uh for a long while I was heavily 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 into uh the work of tim uh bruce tim so you'll see some of that in my figures as well so um i would say that that's kind of the mixture of things that you'll see in my drawing um especially if i'm drawing like female characters and uh, more adult styled characters um but also I try to really embrace my own personal style. So like, I feel like when it comes to comics and illustration and, and style that a person has their own fingerprint, like no person can, a person can copy another artist a hundred percent, but they'll never be that other artist. So their work will always have its own unique fingerprint, no matter how much they really try to incorporate someone else into what they do. So yeah. Um, Currently, I have my own little comic strip called uh, Tornado Alley, and I work on that. I produced like a little self-published book not too long ago. Um, I was also featured in the Black Comics books, so you can find my work in Black Comics Returns, as well as the, the first Black Comics book, which is out of print now. Um, I was also featured in African American Classics, which is an, another book that came out some years ago that featured stories from historic African-American writers like Zora Neale Hurston, for example, and they adapted those stories into short comics. So I participated in creating comics with that. Um, so yeah, I mean, aside from that, just a little bit more of my history, I've worked doing graphic design work, I used to work for a company named Matta Design in New York, which was like a illustration company. So we did children's books, uh, coloring books, um, Where's Waldo books, <laughs> we actually did. <laughs> um, I also did a little bit of work for Warner Brothers as a character design cleanup artist for Scooby-Doo. And I've worked many, many years as a caricature artist and also run my own caricature artist business um, where I draw people at events and parties and do live drawing uh, for entertainment. So that's pretty much the whole of my art life. All right, I'm glad you got it in a nutshell for us. Um, what about you, Kendall? What are some? What have been some of your influences as a creator? Oh, my influences. Um, 
I feel like uh, I'm going to have a lot of uh, overlapping ones. Uh, really, really big influence on me, of course, is uh, Eastman and Laird and the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, you know, just two nerds who were sitting in their living room and created this crazy wild thing. Um, yeah, it's crazy because it was just a joke, and it's like spawn this huge like multi like national media empire yeah ridiculous uh mm. but yeah um they are big influences for me um other uh other cartoonists uh mike allred is uh one of my favorites he he does a great job at mixing like the the classic superhero look with like a more like surreal dream dreamlike uh almost david lynchian kind of atmosphere um yeah also heavily influenced by manga uh rumiko takahashi's one of my favorites um as well as akira toriyama um and uh naoko takeuchi I also, I mean, it's not comics, but uh, heavily influenced by Hayao Miyazaki. Yeah. What else do I, I don't know. I, I really like, uh, this is tough. This yeah, it's fine. I mean, there's tons of things I know that you didn't mention. Like, I know you've been big into the X-Men and like different things that, you know, you, you, like everything kind of finds a way to seep in a little bit. Um, yeah. I try, I try to be very, very open and yeah. just like, I try to give everything a chance because I want to take everything in and just absorb it like a sponge. Yeah. So, you know, everyone here is from, from relatively different generations. Uh, so I want to speak to, to maybe that, uh, experience as you're finding uh, representation in comics. So I'll start with you, Wes. What's probably the first time you remember uh, seeing a Black character you responded to or um, like, I don't know, like, yeah, what's the first one that you remember seeing and like following or, or even just reading? Um, it, it was probably the Falcon, you mm. know, in, in the pages of Captain America. Um, and, and, and you know what? And it's it's interesting because my background, um, I come from a biracial household. So it's in the beginning, I never really saw color. I just yeah. saw the character. Um, so and then until as I got older, it you know, it like Black Lightning, you know, and then watching the Super Friends on Saturday morning, you know, and I started to realize like the black characters had black in front of it. To kind of let people know that they were black <laughs> yeah i mean black panther i guess was the first big one to do that uh because what was he 64 65 something like that yeah um a little before my time so i don't remember the exact year uh even though i like the fantastic four um you know i've only read that stuff collected after the fact <clears throat> but yeah it was uh like i said the falcon i think was like the first one that actually realized that okay oh he's He's black. Um, and I said you had Black Lightning coming out, and then you had uh, you know, Luke Cage, you know, Power Man. So 
it, it was it was around like you know the mid 70s late 70s when i actually like realized a color separation okay fair enough um um what about you ari i'm just going by age so, here real quick yeah um for me so i mostly grew up loving 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 cartoons um i didn't really start reading comics like in a serious manner i'd say until i was in my early 20s so my biggest influence came from a lot of cartoon animation that was on television and honestly there really wasn't any representation that was mm -hmm. happening um i remember watching series like it's so funny um I, I was just naming off some like 80s and 90s cartoons that came out like you know they have the mc Hammer series <laughs> uh -huh. oh my god i remember that <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't. Uh, don't remember. <laughs> don't remember. Yeah, I'd be too young for MC Hammer. <laughs> oh, I remember MC Hammer. Um, but I just don't remember him having a cartoon. Hammerman. The talking mm -hmm. shoes that helped him dance. Yep. <laughs> I must not have seen this because I don't think I could forget that. <laughs> um, I remember it coming on Saturday, Saturday mornings. It was like the last one of the last shows. It was like 11 30, 12 o'clock. Mm -hmm. You had Hammerman. <laughs> exactly um i'm sorry i apologize because i'm super hungry <laughs> but okay. um a lot of people talk about fat albert which i never really got into i didn't get into that at all um in terms of cartoons and um trying to think like i was a big disney fan i'd say the close, closest thing to black representation probably would have been watching like the Lion King because you know James Earl Jones was the voice of Mufasa. Uh, was it Mufasa? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mufasa, Mufasa, Mufasa. It's technically yeah. all the characters in that are African. Yeah, technically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just funny to think about that. Like, yeah, I don't really remember uh, people of color to like Aladdin in Disney stuff. I mean, I don't really even count Disney's Aladdin as a, a film of people of color, but people used to say that Jasmine was the black princess, you know, like, nah, no, nah, she's not. <laughs> well, I, know, I know it was originally supposed to be Baghdad, but they changed it to be a fictional, fictionalized version of that. So I guess they're really yeah. more Middle Eastern than, um, I mean, still, that's still a person of color. But like, you know, still, when, you know, because yeah. it's Disney, it's going to still be whitewashed a lot. I, I mean, like that how it goes um so um in terms of comics like I said I didn't really start reading till I was in 20s so when I really started picking up comics my biggest thing growing up would have probably been comics in the newspaper I loved reading Garfield I loved reading the Peanuts I really loved reading um like just like all the super cartoony fun very animated cartoon illustrations that you could see in the funny papers. So like that was my biggest comics experience when I was younger. Um, I didn't have access to comic book stores and I really didn't start reading comic books until I started getting access at the libraries. So um, I used to go to the library a lot as a kid 
and they finally started carrying manga and that's when I started like finding long form graphic novel style uh comics and that influence was Rumiko Takahashi because I was really into Rama one half so honestly when it comes to African-American influence um in comics and stuff for me I just wasn't seeing that um far as I knew I was the only one who drew black characters and those black characters were drawn because they represented myself and my life and who I was and what I saw around me I was the I was the rep the one creating the representation um instead of getting representation presented to me through outside influences you know I loved Rogue I loved Storm but for whatever reason, even watching X-Men, I never really looked at Storm and said that's a Black character and related to her um, on any particular type of level. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I know that we had shows like The Proud Family that came out and I didn't really watch it because it was on Disney and, um, you know, growing up poor, I didn't have the Disney Channel. <laughs> Mm -hmm. or any of that stuff like a lot of my a lot of my Disney cartoons and movies either came from going to the library or bootlegging it some kind of way so you know maybe they showed the Little Mermaid one day a year on regular television and I recorded it and and cut out all the commercials as I was watching it so that I could actually watch the whole movie <laughs> without commercials later on. You know what I'm talking about. Hit that pause button. <laughs> VHS tapes, you know, that's, yeah. that's what did it for me, you know? So um, yeah, in terms of black representation in comics and, 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 and seeing that growing up, I honestly didn't see a lot of it. I didn't, yeah. I just didn't. I, I, I didn't read a lot of superhero comics um, except for X-Men and um, Storm was like pretty much the only one. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's got, people got to remember like we're so inundated with comic book characters everywhere these days. Like there really wasn't a lot until like maybe 15 years ago. When did the Iron Man start? Like... Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like X Men was the only one like because other than that it was like what well, was like Batman, Superman, Spider Man, the Hulk were like the big ones that got out there, and they're all white dudes. Um, at least until now. Now there's a black Spider Man, but well, like I could go down to the Seven Eleven down down the street on the corner, and they had a little spinner rack, and that's where I could find X Men comics. And then it wasn't in there for very long, probably because people were going in there and still in the comic books. Because <laughs> yeah. I was in a really bad neighborhood. So, like, I remember going in there one day and then all the comic books were gone and no more spinner rack and, like, no more magazines in that place. So I was like, okay, well, there that goes. That's it. So I guess if, if I want to say that I saw a lot of Black representation, it would have been Storm of the X-Men on Saturday morning cartoons. And maybe a couple of black characters in shows like Hey Arnold and like, um, cause they had that boy character. Oh, what was it? Recess had a boy black character in it. Um, Captain Planet had a male black character in it. Um, female characters? 
Yeah, I can only think of Storm from that time period. Drawing a blank? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could say Babs was black. All she right. was a rat. She had a spirit of a black woman. Did she? She was. I thought she was pink. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. <laughs> um, what about you, Kendall? Um, yeah, completely forgot about Kwame from Captain Planet. How could you? He's Jordy <laughs> LaForge. That yeah. also had um, the spirit of the earth was a uh, Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. 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 All um, these TNG characters. So yeah, I mean, I guess that would be the first. But um, Pirates of Blackwater. Do those guys count? <laughs> the water was black, right? Pirates of Darkwater. Yeah. Like they were all brown skinned. It's been a while since I've thought about that. I just remember there was this weird <laughs> bird monkey thing, and that's all I can remember from it. <laughs> I think they were brown skin. You know what? Now I'm drawing a blank. I don't remember now. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait a second. What did they look like? <laughs> there was some kind of future race that doesn't exist yet. Fern Gully. Nope, nope, never mind. Uh, yeah, no. I say that was all white people. The black yep. guy was the thing, the bad guy was like black sludge. Yeah. Played by a white guy. Yeah, played by Tim <laughs> Curry, yeah. Um, so yeah, representation. Oh, Atlantis. Atlantis. Nobody liked Atlantis, but it's got a cult following now. <sighs> like, yeah, it wasn't like a major hit at the time. No. And even then, like Princess and the Frog, I don't think was a big hit. Don't even start with Princess and the Frog. All right, we won't talk about that then. Please. <laughs> uh, Kendall, what about you? What's some of your earliest uh, times um, you've noticed representation? So, yeah, I mean, there was definitely Storm, but um, I remember very, very early on getting like a, a collection that had like, that introduced the giant size X-Men team. And you know, it shows Professor X and he goes to Africa and recruits Storm. So while she definitely was black, she like She's African. Yeah, <laughs> she's not. It, she wasn't African American, you know what I mean? Nope. She, yeah. she was she was a bit different, so not super relatable. Um so like even it, now in Society, a lot of people who are African do not associate themselves as being like, like even people who are African who are born in America are like, no, don't call me black. I am yep. this tribe. I am Ghanaian. I am this. I am that. They do not associate. <laughs> it's uh, they, they consider it disrespectful if you refer to them as as black mm -hmm. and not African. That's awesome that they know their tribes, though. Well, their families are coming directly from overseas and then starting over in America. And they end up growing up here and being born here, you know. So technically, they're African-American if you really, really want to, you know, put a label on it. But they're like, no. No. Yeah. Um... Yeah, who else was there? Bishop would show up from time to time in X-Men, in the mm -hmm. comics and the cartoon. I do remember him. He's like a weird future guy though, and he never, 
never got to be the main dude. Um, static Shock! Oh, how could I forget about Static? Well, so Jack was a... The comics, I think, came out in the 90s? Or was it like... In the 90s. Was it like was in the label. 90s. Yeah. yeah. I know eventually he, he they joined, like, the cartoon universe. But I think that was, like, late 90s, early 2000s, something like that. Yeah, it was before the show was going off the air when they finally brought him into, like, the actual superhero universe that wasn't just him and his friend you know when that show started i was really ticked off i didn't like it i was mad because i'm like how do y'all have them flying around on a manhole cover like come on like really a manhole cover that's not how electricity works (laughs) anyway (laughs) i'm like they gotta give him the most janky superhero power weapons that they can find like this dude is broke (laughs) it made me mad (laughs) <laughs> I didn't watch it for a long time and then it kind of grew on me like as the, as the seasons went ahead and then I, I realized they actually had like the techie white guy character I, I hate saying white guy character but you know he created this technology for him and I was like uh... yeah I never watched Static I just was like I was too old, I think. I just kind of missed the boat on that. But I do know that, like, I think John Stewart showed up because the Justice League cartoon was going on at the time. Um, and it's interesting they chose to use him. It said they had already established um, Kyle Rayner as Green Lantern in the earlier Superman episode. Um, but I remember, I think that's the, I don't want it's not the first time I've seen black superheroes in cartoons because obviously the X Men were inescapable in the 90s. So we all knew about Storm and Bishop. Yeah. Um, and you can't forget about Zach, the Black Ranger. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Comic book character. Uh, he's close enough. You know he what? I, back. I I I tag the the Power Ranger stuff as superhero genre in the store, so it doesn't really fit anywhere else except for its own thing. <laughs> but it's, it's essentially by, uh, manga artist uh, Ishinomori. <laughs> So yeah, it counts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Sentai stuff. Yeah, it traces all traces back to comic books. Everything traces back to comic books because if you want to get real technical, like cave paintings, what is that but comic books? What is Se- sequential <laughs> like pictures telling a story? Um, I think I have a new thesis. Yeah, man. Uh, whatever you know, whatever. If you want to sound like you sort of maybe are potentially intelligent, uh, you can say that, and then people might be like, oh. I don't know if it's actually smart what I said, but it's not something I've heard before. Um, but yeah, so like, you know, we're talking about like static having kind of like janky stuff. Cause you've brought up Sonic, uh, I was going to call him uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh my God. When you brought up static shock and Wes was talking about black lightning, that seems to be a weird running thing that they make their black superhero characters like electricity based. Not making it a point, just an observation. Yeah, there's also Black Vulcan. Black Vulcan is different yeah. from Black Lightning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why was he supposed to be Black Lightning and they changed his name for it, some reason? I guess he was like the bootleg version, but he was he had the same powers, but he was called Black Vulcan. Well, why would he bootleg? They're both DC. Like they have him. I guess Probably they. Thought- 
Yeah, probably creative control. You know, the rights they didn't, even though it was DC. Maybe I know. Yeah, they they always. That's why they couldn't use Wonder Woman for a long time in certain things. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's any kind of weird. Because Storm also uses lightning too. Yeah, I don't know if there's some sort of weird thing I don't know about uh, with the white man controlling black people with lightning. I don't know. Uh, I don't know about that. Well, we're not. I didn't assemble this panel to solve racism. I just want to. <laughs> I just want to hear everyone else's experience, you know, with, with comic books and pop culture uh, that I that I don't have, and that I can't, uh, you know, that I can't have because I'm, you know, a white dude, and I grew up white. So, but yeah. Well, we I can one thing we that I've talking about the. Um, we were talking about the. You guys were talking about the X Men, and. Uh, it was, you know, someone kind of pulled me to the side and said, well, do you know how Stan Lee came up with the X-Men? You know, because mutants were supposed to be minorities. And uh, they were like, well, if you think about it, at the time when the X-Men came out, you had Martin Luther King and then you had Malcolm X. You know, both of them oh, wanted yeah. the same thing for their people, but they mm-hmm. went about it different ways. So, of course, Magneto was supposed to represent Malcolm X, who's more of the radical, the you know, the more aggressor, and then you have Professor X, who's a little bit more of the pacifist, the Martin Luther King. You, you, you know what? Mutants. I'm going to stop you on this conversation here. Well, one, A, all of those characters were originally created as white. Um, so yes, you can do the whole mutant thing. B, Stanley said he created mutants because he came, he was sick with coming up with origins. So it's just like, oh, they're just born with powers. I don't have to come up with origins anymore. Um, see, uh, Martin Luther King's, like, his pacifist stuff, I think is really whitewashed in history. Because I know he's like, he came out like he's like vehemently anti-capitalist. He has said things like, hey, you can't have racial justice without like basically tearing down the current system and reforming it. So I don't think he's as pacifist as we like to remember him being. Um, right. It was, just, it was when someone kind of pointed it out. It was like, huh. It's, okay. a, <laughs> it's an interesting way of taking it. And like, again, it was the 60s. So that stuff was going on. But, you know. Black Panther, the character, predates the Black Panther movement. So, like, if Stanley really wanted to create, like, a more allegorical thing, like, I think they could have... He could have done it a little bit, like, they didn't have to all be, like, five white kids. You know, there could have been one person of color. Of course, that person probably would have been Beast, because that's how... You can't have anything good in the 60s without something bad. I was going to say, you know, one of the things that I can speak to as an African-American creator is um, one of the things that I've come up against as a weird, weird opposition. And actually, I was talking to a friend about this the other day is people being unwilling to purchase or scared to purchase or scared to associate with anything um that looks remotely African-American when they see it in stores or at shows because they feel like they're not gonna relate to it. And um, that's something that I've experienced that I think is kind of an interesting thing to talk about. Like, um, like for example, my, my main character is a black character, but my comics are drawn in black and white. So, I actually have always kind of felt like you take a black character and place them in circumstances and their skin doesn't matter, but their character is what matters. But I find that sometimes I'll get white people who come up and I hate to say white people, but 
sometimes I get white people who come up and they'll purchase the book and, or they'll be like, oh, this looks like something my kid might like. Um, and they'll look at the characters and think it's funny or whatever. But predominantly, I always attract African-American buyers, um, young women who get super excited to see a black female character uh like she's not a superhero but like they're just like oh it's a comic with black character that's a girl you know so I get a lot of that and um instead of just being like it's a comic with a great story and it's really something to enjoy and that anybody can have fun with um so I really sometimes get frustrated with this idea that um skin tone and race comes to the forefront over story however when you look at characters like black panther and like you're talking about black lightning and a lot of those different characters that were created by caucasian men who were writing comics like anyone would buy those but the writers were caucasian but when you put a black face behind it, people kind of start to shy away or they start to go, I can't relate to that. Or they start to think it's gonna have something to do with racism or something to do with um, hip hop. Like I actually had a person once go, oh, your work is hip hop, right? And I'm like, hip hop? Like, no. And they're like, yeah, but you draw black characters. And I'm like, I don't know anything about hip hop. Like I listen to some of the music, but I'm not drawing B-boys. I'm not drawing people, you know, with giant stereo systems on their shoulders and like, you know, sweatsuits and stuff on, like, you know, all the stereotypical hip hop styled things. Like I literally, my character is based on the Wizard of Oz. She wears a blue dress and runs around in like the forest like seriously so i don't know what's hip-hop about that at all and yeah. so there's this automatic stereotype that gets placed on anything when you see a black creator's face behind the characters and the characters are black um now i could probably do a whole story of characters that are any race and if the characters are any other race, no one will care. They'll still be like, oh, this looks like an interesting story. This still looks like an interesting book. I'm gonna buy this. You know, they don't think anything of it. But yeah, when the characters look like you and you're trying to sell it, it seems to be a whole different ball game in my opinion. Um, unless, like I said, you're, uh, you know, I don't know, name an artist who worked on Black Panther who was not, uh, John Romita Jr. There you go. Yeah. You're John Romita Jr. Everybody's going to buy your stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, and they're not going to be intimidated by it. And they're not going to feel like, oh, this is a Black thing. So this isn't for me. And I I feel like I've seen that. And I feel like I've heard people say that. Um, like, even in the African-American community, like, I did a comic book show. And you were there some years ago, Scott. Mm -hmm. The, uh, the Ekbak. Ekbak show that was in Philadelphia. And people were like, even though most of the people in the room were Black um, who were buyers, they were kind of like tiptoeing up to my table. Like, you know, 
like they were breaking some kind of rule or something like <laughs> it was weird um but then I had a friend of mine who came with me or who came by also he didn't come with me but he was sitting behind my table and when I would leave to go to a panel or go do something he would run the table for me he's like Ari I sold more of your books than you did yeah I, I don't know I walked up and bought so, stuff, so I, I can't, I don't know what other people are missing out on, but. Um, I guess the question would be, do you guys see any like lack of open-mindedness to, to people of other ethnicities purchasing um, African-American work? And uh, especially when that work is represented by someone who is African-American as opposed to any other race. Um, and have you, have any of you guys experienced or seen that? To be fair, um, since, you know, our comic book store, it's, we're not making the comics there. So it's a little bit different, but like, for instance, I didn't know for Dwayne McDuffie or uh, Christopher, uh, Christopher Priest were black until way after the fact. So like maybe just me having a name and just uh, that and not having, you know, people stands on its own a little bit more. I think, I don't know, also like speaking as, as a, a person who goes to cons and stuff, sometimes depending on who's there selling their books, regardless of color, I might be intimidated one way or another. Um, mm -hmm. I don't feel that anymore uh, now that I've known a lot of people that make comic books, like they're just normal people. You can just talk to them um, regardless of race um but yeah i don't know i mean I, I think wes back me up on this i think a lot of our i think we have a pretty good mix of comic regulars mm -hmm. in terms of like you know yeah we do yeah like we've got a like when the mouse palace stuff came out and spider-man was black what what do you think was the reaction that your your buyers had to that new experience of seeing Spider-Man as, he's not technically black, but he's black because Morales is obviously a Hispanic name. Yeah, so. I know he's he's uh, blended. Um, yeah, his father's black. Which is why, it's weird he's got his mother's last name, but. And his mom is, well, because his whole, the whole story is his dad was an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. and to protect his family, he didn't want to give Miles his last name. So they kept the mother's last name. I think that's a bit of a cop out, but again, he's also made by <laughs> he, he's also he's also made by a white guy based on a character made by a white guy. Um, I mean, I remember hearing, you know, oh, Spider Man's not not supposed to be black. Yeah, when, I, when Miles first hit, that was like everybody's initial reaction. Yeah, I remember hearing a lot of that too. But my initial reaction is like, I was like, I don't care. It's a Bendis Ultimate Spider Man book. Like, I'm so sick of his characters. Um, but that was just, that's more my experience. Um, I will say Marvel's been doing a lot of, like in the past few years, they've done a lot of like these legacy versions of their characters where like Riri Williams becomes the new Iron Man and like people are mad that it's a black woman and it's just like, you don't even read Iron Man. Like, like why do you care so much? Um, this isn't comic books related, but it is related to the store. With the new, uh, uh, I guess, cause I look like a straight white guy um people keep giving me all of their unsolicited bad takes on the new star wars movies about how minorities and women are ruining it i'm like 
I don't even like those movies, but I'm like, they're just bad. It's got nothing to do with that. Like they're just badly written. They're just a product to take your money from you. Like they say Star Wars, so they just don't think they have to try. And they just crank Hello, them. Disney. That's all they do is capitalize on making money off everybody. Yeah. So uh, we can get into a whole thing about how evil Disney actually is, um, which is sucks because I fall into the Disney trap too. Because all of a sudden, like Donald Duck has a show. I'm like, oh, I'm going to watch this. Um, <laughs> Uh, but you know, I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I do see a lot of black backlash on that stuff, but like, to be fair, a lot of that stuff happens when like, Oh, Iceman's gay now. Like I backlashed on that cause I didn't like how they handled it. But like when they made, like when they quote unquote made Alan Scott gay in the earth Two, even though it's an alternate reality version from a rebooted reality of him. So it's not even the character really. It's like, whatever. I, I don't know. That was that's my opinion. Um, what about as, when Miss Marvel became Muslim? I love Kamala Khan. That is the best book Marvel did in years. Um, like, and I also really, I might be a bit of a minority because I like legacy characters. I think that's cool that you can pass on the torch from generation to generation. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. But yeah, we did have people where it's like, People say some fucking racist things to me about these characters sometimes. I'm like, uh, please don't say that in here. Um, <laughs> like I had some of that too, but like I like to sell that to her trade paperbacks to like younger girls because I can also sell it's like, hey, she also lives in New Jersey too. She lives in Jersey City. Um, but like she reminds me of like classic Spider-Man where she's like this dorky kid in high school and she's got to balance like being a superhero responsibilities and like being a kid responsibilities. Um, you know, she's got like a little group of friends, like one's like was a bully that kind of became their friend, stuff like that. It's got a lot of uh, parallels between Peter Parker and her. And I, I like Spider-Man, so I, I liked her as well. Um, they actually did some animated stuff with those two um, where they did like Squirrel Girl and they had her character in there and some of the yeah, other uh, Marvel newer Rising. characters. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I thought those were actually really fun. Um they were fun movies. I I was like, wow, okay, maybe I should go out and grab these books up, you know. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess that's the unfortunate thing is the first thing you see when you see on the cover is just, oh, this isn't what this character is supposed to look like. At least in terms of when they're kind of like being the legacy version, like a Miles Morales Spider Man. Um, but like, yeah. he obviously at least found an audience because into the spider-verse is uh i would argue uh, a is the best spider-man movie and b might be the best superhero movie um of all time yes. um yeah i kendall you and i saw it when i finally got around to seeing it for the first time and it was like months after it'd been out and i remember having a chip on my shoulder going into it I was like there's no way this is gonna live up to the hype and like damn that is a good movie um but you know I'm gonna go watch it again. It's good. <laughs> yeah, I might watch it again after this. Although I, you know, I gotta watch Batman movies after our last discussion. Um, yeah, Scott, you, you, uh, to touch on something you, you just said, it was, uh, you know, being a, a longtime comic reader and collector and stuff. I'm, I'm used to history. I'm used to what it always was. Um, and I, it's me personally. I don't like change very much. So when they all of a sudden, you know, because now they have to represent you know people of color it's like i can't i hate to say it, but i feel like they're messing with history 
like I growing up, I loved Legion of Superheroes. Granted, they only had one black character, Tyra, um, but I still loved Legion of Superheroes. They came back recently, and they kind of color swapped some of the characters that I remembered, like Lightning Lad and his sister are now black for no reason. Again, another lightning-based character. What is up with this? Yeah. <laughs> so if they if they really want to make diversity, like create someone new, and don't mess with history, you know, it, it, that's kind of. I, I, I think it's I think it's a little bit of a tightrope walk. Um, in, well, I'll use Miles as an example, but like that way you have the marketability of Spider Man, uh, where you can kind of cut through like the static a little bit. No pun intended for Static Shock, but like whereas like an original character like him has a much because there's no like brand recognition. It's harder to get like an uphill battle um, to get out there and market share. But I think the Legion superheroes as a concept because it's supposed to be the future and because comic books are constantly changing and being retconned and things, they're really susceptible to just their history, just not happening anymore. Um, I will argue that Marvel, I think went a little too far, a little too fast because there was a period where like every single one of their main characters was a different person. You had Jane Foster as Thor, you had Falcon as Cap, you had Riri as uh, Iron Man. Uh, you had Kamala as, as Miss Marvel, even though she's not super important. Like that just started. Like there was a lot of that at once, and I can. Do you think yeah. need to? Do you think it's because they need to start speaking to the newer generation of of uh coming? Ahead, you know, millennials, I guess you could say, who are coming about. I mean, because like, yeah, you guys have like your history and all those things that you love about comics, but um, we've got new creators coming on the scene, younger artists coming on the screen who have been influenced by other things you know especially with anime being such a big thing now there's like like that's such a huge influence on the newer creators that are coming into the industry now you know um and like you're getting more and more diversity in the industry as a whole in terms of the people who are actually creators like trying to get into and work you know there's more Black people, more Mexican people, more people of other descent, Asian, Muslim, whatever, who want representation of themselves and this genre that they love so much, you know. And so, you know, you've got a lot of mixed race people coming into the scene as well. People who have lots of uh, lots of diversity and who represent like a really big even though they're a minority, you know, they also represent like a really big money-making <laughs> um, opportunity to a lot of the companies out here. So, you know, when you're going to comic book conventions, like when I've gone to comic co conventions, I meet a lot of individuals who are like, all I've ever seen of a comic book is a superhero movie. That's it. Like they didn't know what any of that stuff was until they saw a superhero movie. No one really like is going out of their way to travel to comic book conventions um, unless they've seen a superhero or seen a superhero movie, not because they've been reading the books and they want to see their favorite artists so much anymore. Like, you know, um, for example, like I was, I was thinking about how, um, 
a lot of the conventions, like you've got all these celebrities who are coming to the convention to represent comics as opposed to actual comic artists. And the comic artists are there, but who's visiting their tables? You know, like those people are getting probably mostly like people who love fantasy art or folks who have been long, 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 long time readers, um, making them a lot more in the older collector uh, area of things. But, you know, when I'm seeing a three-year-old wearing a Black Panther costume because he loves Black Panther, um, he didn't read Black Panther comics when he was growing up. So he doesn't know anything about that universe. And when it's a Mexican kid who's in that Black Panther costume, and he's like a huge Black Panther fan, he's going to be like, well, why can't Black Panther be Mexican? Or why can't we have more Black Panther representation that is Hispanic? So, like, I don't know, like, I, I just feel like a part of, I know everybody likes for things to stay the same and they want to have their childhood characters that they love and, and they want to keep enjoying those things. But, you know, I think the internet just being the huge, huge, huge influence that it is on everyone, like, like people don't even go to comic shops as much. Like they're getting on webtoons and reading manga and independent indie comics, or they're getting on tapas, or they're getting on, um, what's the one through uh, Amazon? Um, oh, I don't know. Comixology. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, tried, I forgot Comixology was bought by Amazon. <clears throat> yeah, or, or if they are a kid and they're being exposed to comics, a lot of them are reading Scholastics comics because there's a huge brand of like graphic novels being produced by scholastics now targeted towards younger kids oh yeah or, like marvel and dc make a lot of, yeah they make a lot of books specifically for like that scholastic book fair crowd and they do very well even in store um mm -hmm. i try to make sure I keep them stocked up as much as i can but, like, i don't know it's just one of those things like yes we want them i'd always would rather they make new interesting characters um, but I've had this conversation uh, with, I think, Wes and Kendall before, but like, I'm no longer precious about my comics. Give me something new. My biggest problem with your talking, your Marvel and your DC is they always, always will revert back to whatever their most, most iconic form is. Because um, they know what sells for them. Yeah, like, it's well, kind of like how in, in TV now, every movie that comes out is a freaking remake. Yeah. Like, oh, why don't we remake Beetlejuice? Like, why can't we just watch the old Beetlejuice? Oh, let's do Coming to America 2. Um, do we really need Coming to America 2? Aren't all those people really old and halfway dead now? <laughs> like, I mean, like, seriously, James Earl Jones is like 100. Listen, I love James Earl Jones. He can do no <laughs> wrong. Um, no, I'm just saying, okay. like, I yeah. saw like a little cut scene in the commercial and he's laying in a bed and he looks happy half dead i'm sorry but he's in the movie and i'm like is that intentional or is he really half dead listen everyone from the original star wars movies is starting to drop now so you know i don't want to knock on wood here um but yeah like all of those characters i mentioned that when marvel did their big uh diversity push a couple years ago they're all back to being white guys now 
Like they're all back to their iconic <laughs> marketable forms. It's like all that mm-hmm. outrage they had at time. Like I remember I was really mad when they made Captain America a Nazi, but that's a totally different conversation. Um, but again, he's back to being normal too. So it's like a lot of that stuff cyclical. I mean, it, I think any, but I think characters of like real care and, and quality, like Miles is still running around. Like there's literally two Spider-Men in the universe and it works, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, he's uh, his own. My- yeah. Miles is just hugely popular, hugely popular and still going strong. And how much of that do you think is people like legitimately liking his character or just like, hey, it's Spider-Man, but he looks like me kind of thing? I think it's a big combination of both. And I say as someone who I draw caricatures at comic book conventions and I've drawn a lot of young black boys as Miles Morales, a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so I I don't know. you know, like I like, he just had a really like, how much of that video game starring him just sell like, like I've drawn so many young black boys as Miles Morales and then turned around and drawn a lot of other guys as uh, Iron Spider Man. From Spider Man is lame. <laughs> they love him. Yeah, it's Miles Morales and Iron Spider Man. But yeah, um. Man. All right. So I guess I'll take a quick commercial break here. Uh, It seems like a good spot. Created by husband and wife team, Kendall and Kayla, Star Savior Bunny combines Sailor Moon-esque superheroics with the challenges of early adulthood. Read for free at tapas.io and check out their Instagram at StarSaviorBunny for new updates and projects. Thank you for listening to our podcast, but have you checked out our store yet? We sell all kinds of nerdy products from comics and graphic novels to retro video games, model kits, toys and statues and more. Visit us at levelupentertainment.com and as a special exploratory promotion, the first 20 people to use the code FRIENDSCAST at checkout will receive 10% off their first purchase. If this is successful, we will do more podcast-exclusive promotions in the future. That's levelupentertainment.com and code FRIENDSCAST. F-R-I-E-N-D-S-C-A-S-T. Hi, guys. My name is Ari Monroe, and I am the creator of the comic book, Tornado Alley. You can check this out online through um, my website. Uh, I have two websites. It's drawlikecrazy.net and airymonroeart.com. Airymonroeart.com features my comic. You can read it online. And if you check out my web store also through my website, you can also purchase it as a digital download or you can order it directly from me by simply sending me an email or contacting me to find out more information. I've also been featured in another really cool book this one called black comics and this one called black comics returns i actually have a ton of copies of this book which features comic illustrators from all over the united states of african-american descent and you can purchase them from me by just sending me an email or going to my website and contacting me through my website. Um, 
so yeah you should check out my work i love drawing comics i love like watching cartoons and if you just want to follow me and see what i'm doing with me and my crazy kitty cat socks um just come on over to instagram or on facebook uh, under the name Ari Monroe and or Draw Like Crazy. Um, and if you're interested in commissions or you want to get your picture drawn and I can make you into a superhero or I can even draw you just hanging out with your loved ones in a caricature style. And I'm always available for those things. So just drop me a note on Facebook, drop me a note on Instagram, or pop on into my contact list over on erymonroeart.com or drawlikecrazy.net to find out more information. Thanks for hanging out with me. Bye. <laughs>
uh, struggle when creating characters of color and not just black characters, but of all races, I think it becomes a problem um, because with television, you're looking at the audience, who's gonna be the consumer of these things, you know, who's gonna buy it, who's not gonna be too intimidated to buy it, who's gonna wanna show it to their kids. Um, and so it gets really easy, I think, for the industry to default to safe representation that's always been there. Like, this is safe. It's not gonna rock anybody's boat. Uh, this is what people know about black people. So, you know, like you were talking about the whole idea of the character, the black characters were girl alike, you know, well, how many films have we seen where that's always been used or the black character is always really poor or the black characters traumatized or the black characters been a slave or the black character has been um, a pimp or they've got a big Afro or they've got dreadlocks, you know, I mean, look how popular movies like Hustle and Flow and The Game and I'm just trying to think um, other TV series that have been super duper popular where the black characters, especially the male character is kind of a bully or he's very dominant over women or, you know, he's a good guy, but he's a jerk you know, and he's, you know, throwing his weight around. You never get like a person who's just a person. Um, you get a person who's a stereotype of what people believe that person should be. And, you know, unfortunately, I also think that sometimes being African-American, we fall into our own stereotypes where it's like, okay, I have to be this because this is what everybody believes I should be. Like, the sassy black girl is one that I get a lot. <laughs> People are like, oh, you, you don't, you know, you don't do the head shaking and you don't, you know, like you're not the sassy black girl. And they're kind of disappointed by it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just a person. Yeah, just... You're not here for anyone's entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so but, I really... um... Yeah, but perform for you. <laughs> if you take, if you look at in recent events, uh, you know, we had two very successful, you know, black-led comic book movies come out recently, and neither of the main characters was a stereotype. You know, you have Black Panther, which was that's right, huge. Mm -hmm. And, across all races it was huge yeah and like that you know that t'challa is royalty you know what i mean yeah um and, and then yet you, you had into the spider-verse and like miles exactly. is very like miles is very intelligent He's the everyday high school kid mm -hmm. 
and but he's like yeah he's an artist like he's such a multifaceted character and yeah just people love it black people people are multifaceted people like we're not just the one note you know sweet christmas luke cage (laughs) uh you know they boondocks (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I love. I mean, I like the Boondocks. I also, I also kind of love Luke Cage season one, so I don't want to say too much. Well, you know what? No, say something. I mean, I, I really love to hear your opinion of all of that stuff too. Because I, of, I, I, I have know, some controversial opinions. Then uh, I think the Black Panther movie is nothing special, um, but that's a problem I have. A greater problem I have with the MCU, where it's everything's so like, it's like the same story over and again. It's just bland. And then I don't like that. I thought it was they're setting up Killmonger was being like an interesting villain because they're setting up more of an ideological battle. And then at the end, he's like, oh, I put on an evil Black Panther costume and we're going to just punch at each other for 40 minutes. I'm like, it's so boring. Like, but you know, people like it and I'm not going to take that away from anyone. Um, Yeah. And you can't say it was unsuccessful. No, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Like, regardless of your your opinion. the fact that you know these things don't get nominated for awards and then that was up for best picture although i wonder how much of that was like capitulating to like the oscar so white campaign um but like yeah i don't know some well, like like well, for instance, didn't party b get an oscar or something like that did she i don't i don't i i don't put a lot of stock in the oscar award i'm like uh. the oscars you know, people, people, time. people treat the oscars like they're an election like it's just a bunch of old white dudes in a room and they just pick the things that they like. That's why it's the same like boring drama crap all the time. And that's why like no genre movies ever break through. Um, but like I for recent recent example of stuff, um, we're talking about diversity for diversity's sake. I just watched Doom Patrol on HBO Max. Absolutely loved it. I don't understand why they put Cyborg in it. I think, I mean, I'm, the reason I'm pretty sure they did was so they could have a person of color in there. And they've been trying to raise Cyborg's profile in, in the public consciousness. You know, he's in the Justice League. They've been, they've been doing that stuff with him. And like, he doesn't really fit in it um, because A, they already have Robot Man, who's like a man inside a robot. So they kind of have that aspect. But like, I feel like they put him in there just, again, they have a person of color. They could have put, uh, Garfield, you know, uh, Beast Boy in there. And like, again, they would have the Teen Titans thing and they could have done the same shtick where like, oh, he's the the established superhero of the team. Um, honestly, they could have made him a black person. I wouldn't have cared. But like, you know, even though he's green, but like, you know, I, I don't know. It was weird. He eventually grew on me on the show though. He kind of found his place, but like if he stuck out like a sore thumb, didn't ruin the show. I still highly recommend it. I loved it. But I get why they maybe don't want to didn't want to change somebody else's race, like make Rita black or something, because uh, everyone lost their mind when they made Starfire a black person in the Titans show. I'm like, in the comic, she's orange. That's not even the color a person is. Like, why why get like you have alien so- representation? Yeah, like, <laughs> but like you know but what I mean? She turned orange. She, she turns orange like in the show. Yeah, and like Beast Boy, they don't always People make don't watch the show, Wes. They just like to complain. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just one of those I, things. It's like, 
I wish I had so few problems in my life. I could go complain to complete strangers about this because I had to hear about it all the time. But like they they, <laughs> they recast Domino in Deadpool 2 um, with Zazie Beetz uh, and people were mad. Like she just is white. I'm like, she doesn't look like any white person I've ever seen. She's got no color. Like, I don't know. I thought she was awesome in the movie. <laughs> she has no color. You're right. Yeah, I thought she I'm was, I, and I thought she was awesome in that movie. She was my favorite part of it. Yeah, I remember when the, uh, the Fantastic Four movie came yeah. out, the, the recent one, and Michael B. Jordan was Johnny Storm. People lost their mind. I was like, I can see it. Whatever, the, whatever. Their adopted brother and sister. Who cares? It's like Johnny Storm is not black. The Human Torch is not black. And then they had, you know. Uh, uh, someone that was white playing Sue, so it was like I I just remember reading like comments and trolls, and it was just yeah, it, it, it was it was bad. I think they made well, I think Sue was adopted, but they were still grew up as siblings. So like whatever, I, I I don't care because we haven't gotten anything remotely good for a Fantastic Four movie ever. So I was like, do something new and different. At least it's different. Oh wait, this movie was still bad, but like at least I didn't. It's not a thing I've seen before. Um, but like I don't know. We'll see how Falcon does as the new Captain America and the the new show. I just I don't know. I don't care. I, like like personally, not not that he's a person of color. Just like I'm done with Marvel after Endgame. Uh, mm. I, I haven't watched Wandavision yet, but everyone I know says it's great. Really good, Scott. It's almost yeah. over. I'll watch it soon. I don't like it's, the week. Yeah. I don't like the weekly release schedule. <laughs> All the I I feel like a lot of things you dislike about Marvel movies you'll like. Okay. You'll like WandaVision. I did see them in their Halloween costumes where they look comic accurate and it's hilarious. Dude, <laughs> that episode gets pretty wild. Um, <laughs> anyway, anyway, no spoilers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyway, there's uh, you know, not many black people in there. I guess one of the leads. Oh yeah, I, I know who's in it that you're referring to. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm you know, I would like to see more LGBT representation things. But like again, I I, I everyone everyone can feel pandered to. Like you can feel when the companies are trashed. Like oh, here's Black Spider Man. Like you can like. That, that maybe that's a bad example, but like here's black iron black girl iron man. Like you you feel like like oh they're just doing that well, to I do that. Like, I feel like a lot of the Wonder Woman movies were were pandering to women. Yeah, and like but you you you, you can you can tell when you're being pandered to rather than like yeah. like when Falcon took over his cap, I'm like, oh that makes a lot of sense. He's been like his partner for millions of years, like a long mm -hmm. not millions of years, but like a long time. Like, all right, I can I can see that. Like whatever it's captain america that flies now like that's neat um and i know that became like a big part of their story i think was was that one written by tanahasi coates I i'm not sure no he mm. came he just came on captain america yeah but didn't i thought of i thought a creator of color wrote that falcon captain america book uh i think it might have been uh rick remender was it i thought rick remender wrote because that was when cap Regular Cap was uh, a Hydra agent. Oh no, that was Nick Spencer that wrote that, right? Yeah, I think it was Rick Remender. Okay, who who wrote that? Well, I know that was a big 
part of the the first story was like kind of responding to the inevitable internet backlash because like the things first things like not my captain america but like nobody freaked out like that when bucky took over cap even though he should be dead yeah dude it's uh it's it's rough there's a lot of just a lot of people get very angry and and like you said they don't half of them don't even read those comics and well, like you know, I, I complain to you when i see something stupid yeah that comics are doing and it's just like why well but, I've, I've always I've, the phrase i've always used is comic fan and i fall into this too comic fans aren't happy unless they're complaining um <laughs> Because you know, I I complain about things too, and I, I don't I don't always necessarily read the comic that it's based on. But I'm like, oh, that sounds really stupid. Um, but you know, sometimes it, it works out, and you know, I've been I've been wrong about comics before. Like, oh, because I originally speaking of Bucky, I thought like, oh, bringing him back that was so stupid. I was like, what? But then I actually sat down and read the book. I'm like, wow, this is really good. You know, so it it happens sometimes. Um, there's been plenty of great books I've slept on that I've been trying to catch up on. Um, none, none with people of color that, that jumped in my mind right now. Um, you know, but like we talked about Miss Marvel, like her creator, original creator left and the Saladin Ahmed took over and it's still been really good. And, you know, another creator of color for, for her as well. Um, actually, I think he's also writing the Miles book, which has me more interested because I'm not a, brian michael bendis fan um but it's just one of those things like i haven't read it just because i don't read a lot of marvel and dc anymore i find a lot of their stories get really repetitive and boring they don't really let their characters grow and change because they have to be their most marketable forms and i don't know i get really sick of that after a while like i get really bored what if what if superman became black how would you guys feel about that there is a black Superman. He was president. Uh, oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. Uh, occasionally people ask me for those issues. I'm like, those are so obscure and he's, it's in so few. Um, but I don't know. It's cool. Whatever. Superman's not even human. Make him green. I don't care. I guess they've made him red and blue in the past. And those are pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I also just don't care. Um, you know, the comic. Oh God, I don't want to talk smack on comics fans. Yeah. But uh, it's, talk smack, you know, it makes the show more interesting. If it's, <laughs> just if like it's, if it's a, really a bad, I'll edit it out. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. It's such like a toxic thing for, for no reason. Um, I, I think if I like woke up tomorrow and it was in the news that Superman is black now forever, my my first thought would be this is going to be really exhausting. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, you know, you're gonna have, oh, here comes Comics Gate, and they're ready to, you know, throw down with anybody over every, you know, everything. Um and yeah, it's just, I don't know. These are just like pretend stories 
Bruce Wayne has been Batman for too long, like longer than. Yeah. Like, yeah. Why? Like, I don't know. You're gonna get mad that you know, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur stars a a black girl, you know, but you're not gonna get mad that Bruce Wayne is still in his his early twenties, early (laughs) thirties. And it's still going on adventures and like, like it just, it's all dumb. None of it makes sense. Just like have fun and enjoy good stories. Well, you know, we're, we're mostly Turtles fans here. I remember when in Rise of the TMNT, people were mad that they made April Black. Oh yeah, that's true. And I'm like, I'm like, this is a show for babies. Who cares? Like, like I've like got more April important things in my life. Like is never recognizable to me. Like the only recognizable April O'Neil character for me, I'm sorry, is the 1980s yellow jumpsuit April O'Neil. After that, the rest of them are. I'm just like I don't know who that is. I don't care. <laughs> it was never part of April O'Neil's story that like, oh man, <laughs> being white is just so important to who I am. Exactly. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> especially Ninja Turtles opens itself to so many different interpretations. But like, people were mad that the cast of the actual turtles themselves was like predominantly black. And it's just like, they're not white. They're not even like, people. They're, they're <laughs> mutant turtles. Yeah. <laughs> Like, why does that matter? The only person, yeah, the only voice actor I knew was Ben Schwartz. And I was like, oh, it's John Ralphio. He's in everything now. Yeah, he's, I'm pretty sure he's the only white actor for the Turtles. See, and I didn't even know that, but like that show's really fun and it deserves more of a look. I, I, Kendall, you showed me the good episodes. I wrote it off too soon. It's, I really like it. Everyone did. You're not alone. And then as soon as I got into it, they canceled it. I did. And Scott's yeah. like, oh, you should watch it. It's not as bad as you think it is. I, I couldn't stand the art. I, the art was killing me. I love the art. Uh, <laughs> they so can't. Good. That's too bad. But, yeah. um, well, they got a movie coming out, so we'll see what happens. But, um, I don't know. Like, if you want to get into it, like, a, you know, Japan could throw a fit that all these turtles voice actors have been haven't been Japanese, and like Splinter's voice actor, you know, like has Splinter had a Japanese voice actor? I, I'm pretty sure he's had at, at um, least the ones where it is Hamato Yoshi, not like an actual rat that mutated. Hamato Yoshi, <laughs> but you know, like they should all be Japanese people. Like if if you're trying to get like technical, like I don't know, people just want to hate no one complains that the ninja turtles don't actually do actual kung fu in some of the old cartoons are just like running around swinging their little things and flipping around and then just kicking someone like like uh they're ninjas shouldn't they be stealthy like Kind of loud for ninjas. <laughs> well, see, all right. So to play devil's advocate on that, like, a, we were little kids and we weren't really as aware of this stuff when we were young. But the only reason that cartoon exists was so they could sell a toy line. 
<laughs> like yeah, this true. stuff is commercial products and people take it myself included have taken these things way too seriously like, yeah i agree you know like i i think i like seeing new things um the next batman which is it, the, the current future state it's uh who is it wes is Tim it luke fox, fox? Like, Tim, uh, the other yeah. son yeah well now it's like a black guy's batman i'm like all right cool let's read that maybe that's fun something different like what uh, kendall last week on the batman episode which everyone should go back and listen to when they're done with this we pitched like our dream batman movie which is a batman beyond adaptation with michael keaton as old batman i was you mentioned michael g jordan like that might be really fun to see him be like a terry mcginnis type like yeah why not yeah i'd be down like who cares like i don't know i i remember when i heard that he was cast as human torch i'm like I had the same thing like this is going to be exhausting. I'm like I don't care. Just make it good. That's all I want. Yeah. And I I that specific casting was really exhausting cuz you knew the uh they made it very easy for like people with like racist thoughts to hide behind the whole like Oh, well, changes like the whole brother and sister aspect. I wish they would have just made Reed black. Make your lead guy in the Fantastic Four movie black. Well, he's supposed to be smart. They would never do that. Yeah, it just, you know, that that's my only problem with that is like they gave they gave people that like little shields hide behind you know yeah. i like, would have been i would have been down for all black casting like i said i only want it to be good we just keep yeah, getting bad fantastic four movies and as a fan of them i'm like oh god can i at least get a plot give me a plot like like a story there's no story in any of these movies they're just things that happen to these characters <laughs> like that's not asking <laughs> a lot <laughs> like the jessica album movies ones they just sit around until the final act happens to them I'm like, oh my god, this is so bad. Remember um, when Doctor Doom got his ultimate wish granted or whatever, and just flew around in a circle? yeah. He finally like took over the Silver Surfer's power, and his big plan was just to fly around the world until he got punched to death. Like, <laughs> god, it's so dumb. He even had a plan in the first movie. He just is like, I guess I'm a bad guy now. I better shoot a blue laser as that's what they do in every single one of these movies. Ugh. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, Kendall and I, have, we've been saying it our whole lives where it's just like, all right, I've seen the Peter Parker origin story a million times. Like the Miles one was something new and different. It was a different way to tell a Spider-Man story. And I remember being really nervous about that movie because I was like, oh, they're doing Miles. I was like, but it's Sony. Sony movies almost always suck. And then they started throwing in like all of the other spider characters. I'm like, this isn't even going to be about Miles anymore. He's just going to get lost in this. And like, I can't believe they all had like their own character arcs and it was amazing. And I'm stoked for a sequel. And they don't have to have any of the other Spider-Men. I'd be cool with like just a Miles uh, Morales movie. Um, oh, that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, we got the origin out of the way. Now you can, the way they set up, you can like reinvent any of the Spider-Man characters for him to fight in like cool new interesting ways just keep that cool visual style and uh i'm done like i'm there i'm there like day one you know yeah, yeah. so i guess the conclusion we have is you can have any one of any 
color or persuasion of any type. Just, just make it good. And people respond yeah. to it. Yeah. 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 Just make it good and, you know, make it enjoyable for anyone and anyone will buy it, you know? Yeah. Like, a, little, a little originality uh, doesn't hurt either. Just, you know, yeah. if you're going to have some diversity, you know, try being creative and make a new character as opposed to just color swapping an old one. Yeah. Well, do you guys like, do you respond more to stories where it's just like the, the, the race of the character informs what they do more versus like, you know, Miles is just, he's swinging around being Spider-Man, punching supervillains in the face. Like that's not like a core part of the identity. Versus like someone that tells like, you know, like a Luke Cage type who might, well, like modern Luke Cage, not classic Luke Cage. Or like they, he like is in Harlem and like that kind of stuff informs the stories more. I think I'm actually more likely to um, relate to a story depending on gender as mm -hmm. opposed to race. And you know what, because Carrie? When I when I invited you into this, I didn't even think about you having the perspective of a black woman. Like, oh, she's a comic creator. Like, that's a, a different world than like even I, as a comic book fan, might have. So, like, yeah, I, you know, if, you, if that is more a, a thing that you would well, relate to versus being black, but, that's fine. Well, I think when it comes to the types of materials that men and women read, um, like for me, I found that a lot of female readers are more likely to um, relate to work that's, I'd say, more slice of life, not so much like superhero-y, you know, like we like fantasy and we love all of those things, but like, I feel like a lot of female readers relate more to like, um, like, stories about other females you know not so much necessarily where that person comes from or what race they are like like a story i really really loved i'm not saying that we don't like both but i really loved full metal alchemist but like it wasn't a story about people punching each other it had a lot of a lot of depth through it throughout the story and um, I think the original creator of Full Metal Alchemist was a woman. And um, like all the characters had great character building that happened with them. They had a lot of uh, depth of personality, you know, but I've seen a lot of guys who love shows like Baki the Grappler, which is literally guys meeting in a dark room and then punching each other until they can't punch each other anymore <laughs> and they're screaming a lot and <laughs> being just happy. guys like to do you know <laughs> yeah i'm just like well i guess i guess this that sounds like high school for me and scott yeah <laughs> i have I like <laughs> oh yeah we always men would always meet in dark rooms and take their shirts off and then get physical yeah. uh, or is that or is that just me um like um there was a show uh called ikitosin which is like it's it's one of those fanboy shows where it's like panty shots and big boobs and girls punching each other and i meet guys who are like that show's so fantastic and i'm watching it like why <laughs> don't get it <laughs> you know mm -hmm. i mean i'm not saying that that guys don't enjoy things with depth 
and like things like that i'm not saying that either because i know plenty of men who love full metal alchemist and who love really deep like stories or whatever like but i i feel like a lot of guys also really just like <laughs> like mindless violent things too like you know let's shoot things let's punch things i want to kick stuff and then I the mean, girls are just sitting there like i want to play with my barbies i mean Ooh, i'm not gonna looks- see- the place in my heart and that's almost nothing more than just punching and kicking at a certain point oh what was that one show where the guy would get shot seven times or something like that oh god seven times that's Sips to the north star oh but he's got like the it looks like the big he's got, like, chest. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't literally is punching <laughs> let's destroy things like it's just I think that that when it comes to stories and stuff, a lot of the differentiation of um, of what people enjoy actually kind of does come down to the way the person thinks, their mindset, and um, you know, there's there's big differences between the genders, in my opinion. You know, I don't expect any guys to really want to sit around reading uh <laughs> tornado alley it's i expect girls probably to enjoy it but not guys <laughs> hey i read tornado alley i've got a copy of it not with an arm's reach but in this room somewhere <laughs> um but yeah I don't, I don't know like do you do you do you other gentlemen do you uh like prefer characters who's more informed by the black experience versus like not Um, you know, we were talking about Miles. I mean, I'll, st- I'll st- stick with Miles. I-, I enjoy his book. I look forward to it every month um, because it's, it's a good story. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's a good story, um, good character development. And then you realize, oh, and he's also Black. So it's... It's an afterthought. What's that? I said it's an afterthought. Yeah, it is. It really is. It's it's more about the story. If the story's good, then that's that's what's important to me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, it. I I can't say I prefer uh, prefer it one way or the other. Um, it really works for some characters, like. Um. You know the the Black Panther movie, like you know, really like you know, took. It was very much informed by the fact that Black Panther is a black, you know, an African man. You know, yeah, um, and Killmonger stories because he grew up in like what was it Oakland? Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, I really dug that. Um, but if you go and read early Black Panther, like Jack Kirby Black Panther, it barely has anything to, to do with that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a little more than set dressing. Mm-hmm. And Listen, they got to have the Fantastic Four run around like a techno-organic jungle, you know? Yeah, well, just like Black Panther, like number like one through you know, three or something. He's like 
searching for like a magic frog or something like (laughs) and that is it's like barely informed you know but like you know by any of that um it's pretty to look at not necessarily the most compelling story um it, it all really depends you know as long as it's good you know because if that's all you're doing is like, uh, I don't know. It's hard. Like, oh yeah, I, I didn't expect like a definitive, clear-cut answer. Is you know something to think about. Like, you look at Into the Spider Verse to go back to Miles. You know, like, well, you know, in my opinion, you kind of have to look at it like just television and what we see on television now. You know. A lot of TV shows are predominantly Caucasian characters, but everyone sits down and watches them, you know, like series like Friends or the Drew Carey show or... Um, oh, you're saying they should remake Big Bang Theory, but cast Sheldon Black and write it exactly the same. Why not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't do that because that show is yeah. terrible, but... <laughs> I hate that show so much. Um, um, like, you know, people of all races sit down and watch these series. You know, some of this stuff gets sent to places like China. Like, I've I've heard that a lot of the superhero movies have to be um, written with Chinese audiences in mind because there's such a big market for consumers of those films. Where all the money you know? is. Well, Larry, was it speaking of that? Because I know Soul is doing really well in China. Was it you I was talking to about that? We didn't like the movie, the the Pixar movie Soul. You really want me to answer that question? <laughs> if, you, if you want. <laughs> no, I didn't like the movie. All I right. didn't like the movie. I have yet to see it. I just don't I feel like watching great. a movie about death. You thought it was great. I yeah. loved it. Who, I thought it was both? okay. You I thought it was okay. It. Oh, we've got all the opinions now. I have problems with it. I have problems with it. You know, I think my biggest problem with the film, I was okay with it until she said one single line in that whole film that set the whole tone for the movie for me. And and he asked her, he asked the small soul character, why do you have the voice of a white woman? And then she said, because something like, because I like being annoying or something like that. And like, until that point, cause then the character goes, I could have the, any voice. And then it mimics all these other voices out here. And then she says, when he says that it gave a race to a raceless character. And because of that, everything that happened after that scene made me feel like the film was racist. Okay. Because <laughs> that, that soul is played by Tina Fey, right? Mm-hmm. Again, I have not watched the movie, but like I've picked up some stuff just from Osmosis. It doesn't she take over his body on Earth? Takes over his yeah. body. So right, you I can, have I can a, see why a that's, that would be a problem. Yeah. With a white woman in his body. That's weird. 
And they pointed that out in the film. It, it, if they had done that and never said that one line in the whole film, I probably would have loved it. But they did that to themselves as a joke. Yeah. But it was a really bad joke. Because there's a scene in the film where you've got, okay, so you've got this African-American man who's basically a washed up musician who be, who's becoming a teacher. I'm sorry, I'm giving out spoilers. Who's becoming a teacher and his mom basically runs his life. So you have the strong black woman stereotype and this guy looks like he's 40. He's not married. He doesn't have a love interest. And he's going nowhere. And his career is riding on one musical gig. I'm like, you've been doing this for how long? And your whole career rides on one musical gig? You should know a lot more people <laughs> and have a much bigger uh, music career than this. And you should be loving teaching children what you do. It should be so inspiring to you to take all the talent that you have and give it to young men and women you know because that's how I feel when I teach young people how to draw like I'm not saying my career has been amazing or anything like that as a creator I'm not super rich or any of that because we all live we're just living but I'm I'm doing I think pretty well but this dude to me just seems like he's just sad and miserable and then he dies and now he's upset because his one big break he loses it because he slips down a manhole cover. And so now a white woman gets in his body and makes all of his dreams come true. Interesting. Okay. Well, just like with... oh, sorry. there's a whole scene where he gets into an argument with his mom, with this white woman in his body, arguing with his mom about why he should be able to do something that he's always wanted to do with himself. And I feel like it emasculates him as a man. Interesting. Uh, maybe I'll watch that movie and have a different perspective on it than I would have without it. But Kendall, you said you loved it? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um... There's other elements of the film that are great. I love the philosophy and stuff that they do, but just as a character and as representation of African-American man, I just didn't see it as like uplifting to me, you know? And then at the end of it, he was like, why am I doing this? Like, why did I have everything riding on this one gig? Now, what do I do with myself? Yeah, the movie's got a lot of existential stuff, which is why I haven't gotten around to watching it. I've just not been in the mood for that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, uh, yeah, because his, I don't know, his dreams don't really come true because, That's you know, life is, right? yeah, your whole, yeah, exactly. Like, I get it. You don't get everything you want in life. I get that. But, but yeah, and like he was putting so much stock in that one gig to be like the life changing gig. But like, I mean, I, I've played music before and like, you know, like I'll have a show and I'll be like, oh, this show is like really important to me. And then you do it and it's over. And it's like, cool, maybe you'll get to like do that again, but it doesn't. It's but it doesn't nice. define you. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what he, 
that's what he realizes at the end of the at the end of the movie and there'll be more if you keep going there's always more you know like there's always another opportunity to do a bigger and a bigger and a bigger and you don't have to be a super super famous creator musician or any of that to have what would technically be considered as success because success in my opinion is defined by the person so like if you're making say $30,000 a year steadily but you get to do everything you always wanted to do and you're happy then technically you've had a successful career you know even if that's as far as you ever get you know you consistently continue to do that you can say hey I can be happy and now you know but I just kind of felt like the character was was kind of sad about everything and then he put everything into one idea and then even that one idea gets outshadowed by a person who like with a with the temperature of our country right now with white supremacy and all the fighting and all the stuff that's been going on you take a white woman who has never experienced what it means to be black and put her in his body and then have her go live as him like there's a scene in the movie where he's in a hospital gown and jumps in a cab and goes somewhere i'm like where's his money how are you gonna pay this cab driver like a black person couldn't do that. You couldn't just jump in a cab with no money in a hospital gown and go home. <laughs> you so, yeah, know? Forget money, like, you didn't even have pants. Yeah, somebody's gonna look at you like, no, 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 please, no, 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 don't, don't get in my car. <laughs> you don't even have pants on. I don't want that on my back seat, you know? Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know. Some of the stuff just kind of it just rubbed me the wrong way and then you know I looked up what you know the who the writer of the film was and and all of that stuff and I was just like they're they're playing with a lot of a lot of stereotypes a lot of stereotypes that they just don't understand the underlying issues with and what kind of um in my opinion what kind of message it sends to other people even if it's like a low level message you know that no one's really paying attention to not just for black people but for also other viewers of that film you know like one of the things that bothered me and we talked about the princess and the frog is you have a guy who's a complete jerk who wants to use women for money and the princess is a poor black woman who's never had anything and she lives in the 1920s and she becomes a frog and he becomes a frog and he's a jerk to her for the whole film and she settles for marrying him and says they're in love then she turns into a princess because she married a jerk who treated her badly for the whole movie like but she has a white friend so it's okay but that's never happened to any other female princess in the Disney universe. Except, I mean, like, like even, even with the movie like Tangled, yeah, he was kind of a jerk, but he was like a funny, lovable jerk. The guy in Princess and the Frog was just, 
I mean, want to with that guy. <laughs> I mean, the Beast is literally a monster for most of that movie. But he's a very... But you can fix him. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Yeah, we could pick apart every movie if we really want to. Because um, I love well, Beauty and the Beast, it, but it's got a lot of problems like that. Yeah. You know. When it comes to films that feature African-American characters, I get really concerned about the messages that they send, especially when the characters, in my opinion, are not being written. Like, like I kind of wonder, like, how would a Black person write a character for soul like how would they write it you know if it had been a, a black writer with all the the stuff about you know life and all of the all of those elements still in it why couldn't he have been a successful musician who was about to go play a stadium with like the biggest stadium in the world and then he accidentally died frivolously you know and and you know, like, why couldn't he have been a man who who had a great life and wanted to do better things for other people, you know, through his music? And then suddenly this thing happened to him and he was like, oh, I lived too much for my music. I wish I had done other things besides music like that might be a stronger yeah see that might be a stronger message if he was successful and died and then realized like oh there was more to life than this although maybe that might be better for a career where it's not like you're being like an artistic expression um because usually that is fulfilling but they don't have to pun with soul and soul um but yeah we'll get off that for now um uh so I guess we'll get. Well, you asked me. I'm sorry. I know. I know. I, no, I, it's fine. I really um, tried. I, you know, I have my opinions about the film. I really. Tried. I I wouldn't put you on here if I wasn't going to ask opinions. Um, <laughs> but like that's a way of looking at the movie. I wouldn't have. Um, but it is getting late, and uh, I'm an old man, and I like to go to bed about now. So we'll probably start getting okay. some final about ten. Some, some final thoughts here. Um. You know, do you guys think uh, things are moving in a better direction, uh, worse direction, or like things are kind of stagnant, you know, in terms of representation and stuff, not just for characters, but for like creators as well. Um, I'll start with you, Wes. Um, I think things have, have uh, gone in a positive, you know, at least it shows that they're trying. Um, and, you know, and sometimes it, it works. You know, we always, we've been talking about Miles, you know, they took a chance and, and Miles is super popular. Um, you know, Tim Fox, the new Batman, you know, they took a chance, and, you know, some people didn't like the fact that he was black, but the book is really good. Um, so I, I do see a lot of change for better. Um, again, I just like to see someone, uh, you know, if they're gonna make a character, just be creative. Uh, Milestone, when Milestone, we talked about that earlier, in the show in the 90s you know they created a whole universe just with characters of color you know mm -hmm. icon and static shock and and where and you know do more things like that and I, i'm kind of excited that milestone is coming back i'm curious to see now in this time uh this day and age how they're going to be relevant compared to everything else 
Yeah, and I would love to see creators of color on those books as well, um, and let them try not to put like restrictions on them. I think I think let I think I think for milestone characters, like let creators go nuts on them because they're not messing with characters like Superman. Like these are characters that aren't they're iconic in their way, but they're not like these. They're like their tentpole characters. Um, so I, I I would be curious to see like them, yeah, do some real creative stuff with them. Um, how about you, Kendall? Um, do I think I think things are definitely rather when it comes to at least the big two. There's a um, definitely a, a bigger push. Um, and I think it's working more than it isn't. Um, I definitely, you know, definitely let, you know, people of color write characters of color, but also, you know, let creators of color also like write those iconic, you know, characters who've been around forever. Like, you know, Tanahashi Coates on uh, Captain America, you know, of course he would have a ton to say about that character. And I'm glad he's getting the, getting the chance to, um, yeah. And then, you know, hopefully in the indie scene, everyone's, uh, you know, helping each other out when they can, um, you know, regardless of race, but it's always good to, you know, keep your eye on folks who, you know, whose voices have been silenced in the past, you know? I think we're moving in a good direction. Okay. But there's still plenty of work to do. Well, of course. How about you, Ari? I absolutely agree with there being a lot of work to do. But yeah, we're moving in a good direction. I think that the internet um, in the short amount of time that we've had the internet and it's become a source of media um, and sharing media has revolutionized uh, diversity in our entire culture, whether it's through film, uh, through comics, through animation. Um, like, you know, I know, for example, Netflix is like, buying all kinds of titles, turning people's stories that were comics into TV shows. And they're really like creating representation across the board. I mean, it's packed with movies from Africa, movies from China and Korea, films from, Holly from Bollywood, things you would never ever see on broadcast television, just across the board. And um, I think even things like, net, you know, webtoons and comicsology, they're opening up spaces for comic creators that just never, ever probably would have gotten the opportunity to share what they do or share their vision um, with the world because you know, of the big corporate, you know, you got DC and Marvel, Disney and Warner Brothers, you know, all like 
deciding for us what we should be consuming, you know? And because they decide what we should consume, when you get, you know, a female black Iron Man, all of a sudden it's revolutionary and it's it's a new amazing thing that everyone should flock to. But when you really look at the full spectrum of things, there's all kinds of characters out there of all sorts of diverse creations. And it's open to us now in a way that it's never, ever, ever been. All you gotta do is turn on your computer or your smartphone. And um, I think that because of that, we're gonna continue to see a lot of voices come to the forefront um, and a lot of perspectives come to the forefront. Like, especially when we talk about white culture, like like films, like there's a show on Netflix called Hilda, oh, you yeah. know, yeah. it's really sweet. And- and really wonderful you've got the secret of kills which is about you know celtic culture so you're not just getting diversity in black people and mexican people you're getting diversity in white people too it's not just you know barbarians and dragons you've got so much out there that never get seen you know so um we're in a great time all right um, even white people don't have to be stereotyped anymore oh uh, i mean you know it's never been harder to be a white guy now uh <laughs> no i'm just kidding it's never been hard um <laughs> I'll cut this joke out because that was really bad taste. Um, uh, but uh, no, I, I mean, to be honest, like, again, I like to see representation, but I like to see it done well. I think as a whole, uh, we've become a lot more cognizant of what we say and do in these things uh, and how that like carries weight uh, with, with stuff, or at least I like to think that a lot of you know, the people I associate with are trying to be more thoughtful with that stuff. I know I am. Um, um, but, you know, part of, you know, doing that is we have to have dialogues about how people like how the experiences are different and how people think and feel. And like, yeah, I mean, there's probably a time when I was younger, I would have been a lot more mad about like, oh, I can't believe they made Falcon Captain America. But like, isn't it like, for, for lack of a better term, as an adult, I really don't care. Like, like I said, I, I'm no longer precious about comic books. Um, as long as it's good, that's all I care about. Um, and you know what? Like, I like reading and, and hearing and learning about like people with different experiences with me. Um, you know, variety is the spice of life. Like, mm. like I said, as long as it's good, that's all that matters. And I do think we're going in a better direction where it's not just like gender flipping or race changing like existing characters. I do think there is an effort to make uh, unique spaces for characters of color. Um, mm-hmm. And the indie scene's great. There's, I always tell people there's a book out there for somebody, you just have to look for it. Um, you just have to escape. The big two are very, very much dominate the space. But you know what? Like for all I know, DC might just announce that they're not doing uh, single issue comics anymore. 
and there might be like this vacuum you can fill with all kinds of interesting stories uh, and different creative characters. Um, and a part of me kind of looks forward to that. Um, a part of me that's a comic book fan, as a comic book retailer, I'm terrified of that prospect. All of a sudden, from that <laughs> Batman issue, it's like, oh my god, uh, how are we going to pay the rent? But um, <laughs> you know, I I, I, and- I, I I know people think that like I don't like comic books is just because like everyone wants to talk to me about Marvel and DC and like I don't find them interesting on the whole. Um, but like I do really love comics and it's a great medium and I'd like. I do think that we're going in a, a more positive direction. At least I like to think that we are. Um, but, you know, like I said, there's there's always going to be these toxic elements. That's just how it is in any community. Um, and we just have to learn how to, uh, to get better about learning to deal with it and coexisting. And I don't know, maybe it's a small microcosm of our society as a whole. Um, if we can help make the comic book community more open and inviting and we lift each other up rather than tear each other down maybe that'll ripple out into the real world um yeah so all right i guess we solved racism um it's over it's over <laughs> finally uh yeah. we'll walk outside right now and yeah sing in the streets no i'm joking but like you know comic books are silly and fun but like there's a level of importance even in your silly and fun stuff, you know. Yeah. All of us have uh, dedicated our, our lives to it in some way or another now. Either we're making comic books or we're selling them. Um, but, you know, I think we were always consuming, like, comics and pop culture. Um, but now I'm starting to ramble. Um, we should end this. Uh, <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys so much for coming out and chatting with me. I really appreciate it. Um, I love getting into the serious topics every once in a while um next week we'll be talking we'll be back to complain about star trek i'm sure um (laughs) speaking of kendall you just started deep space nine that's exciting it is exciting yeah you know yeah exactly does anyone watch the new star trek i don't Uh, i don't like it i haven't watched season three but i do dig it yeah. I haven't watched it yet, but like I'm like, okay, I might have a new uh, thing to get into. Yeah. I love having addictions. <laughs> oh man, uh, watch it, and we'll come back on. And we'll talk Star Trek. I talk about Star Trek like every other episode. Um, but yeah, no, so you know, kind of excited. I'm really excited for you to watch these Space Nine, Kendall. I think you're gonna like it. Um, but yeah, uh, so until next time, everyone, be safe. <laughs>